Welcome to church. Welcome to North Star. North Star is a place where everybody's welcome. Nobody is perfect and I'll give you an 85 on that. No, that was pretty good. Seriously. Chief Logue, you guys say it with me. North Star is a place where everybody's welcome, nobody's perfect, and anything is possible. And when we say that anything is possible, we're saying that with God, all things are possible. Nothing is impossible with God. Amen? Amen. We exist as a church, and I say this every, almost every week, but it's so important. We exist as a church so that those that are far from God will draw near to him through the power of Jesus Christ. There are 168,000 people in our area, four-county area, who on any given Sunday do not attend any church whatsoever. Uh, excuse me, there's 168,000 people. Uh, 10% attend a church on a regular basis. I was about to get that backwards, and that's, that's good. Um, that leaves 151,200 people who do not attend church on a regular basis in a four-county area, right here in the belt buckle of the Bible belt. And that burdens my heart. It challenges my heart. And so we exist so that those that are far from God will draw near to him through the power of Jesus Christ. And so it is our goal to reach 1% of that number by 2021. And we really have to get busy. We really have to be intentional on reaching people for Jesus Christ. We have been commanded to tell the gospel, to spread the gospel, to share the gospel. We have been commanded to take the good news of Jesus Christ, life-changing transforming power of Jesus Christ to the people, not only across the street and across the county, but across the world. And that is in the DNA of North Star Church. Amen? Amen. Well, Mother's Day was great at both of our campuses, and uh, I know God just spoke and ministered in a great way, and we're in a, a series now called Awakening, Awakening, and uh, we welcome those that are joining us online, and we, our Tupelo campus just joined us mo moments ago. Make some noise for those guys over there. Are you glad you came to church today, man? Yeah, me too, me too. I've been looking forward to today since last week. And so uh, I know God has some great things in store for us as we continue the awakening 2017 Awakening Series. Last time that we talked in, in this series, we talked about how Jesus told the disciples to put out into the deep. And they had fished all night. Everybody knew that on the Sea of Galilee that you, you did not fish in the deep in the day, but in the shallows at night. But they did it anyway. They didn't understand it, and God will will call you and speak to you in ways that you may not understand, but we have to do like the disciples did. Nevertheless, if that's what you want, because you said it, I'm going to do it. It starts with obedience. I don't know why I'm recapping this so uh, to the point, other than somebody I think needs to hear it. it. 
you have to obey. If you're going to follow God into the deep, those places where God leads, you've got to be willing to be obedient. And then, and then I said, you've, you've also, you've got to uh, leave the shore. Duh. And if you're going to follow God wherever he leaves, leads, you're going to have to leave the shore. A lot of times people don't leave the shore because they're comfortable with the shore. Mm. Yeah. A lot of the times we don't step into what God has for us because we're comfortable living where, where we are. And sometimes we're anchored to things on the shore. And then I, I close that message by saying we've got to trust Jesus. We've got to trust Jesus. Now today I'm going to talk about the subject, what happened to your passion? Where did your passion go? And I believe there are people listening today that, that this is going to uh, really minister to and God is going to speak to. And I, hopefully I'm going to say some things that will encourage you today and, and, and help all of us today as we look at what happened to our passion. I still remember when I was 19 years old preaching my first sermon at First Baptist, all right? It was a sight to behold. I had spoken before as a leader in the student ministry, but I had never preached a message. I still remember it like it was yesterday. It's on a cassette tape. It's a very valuable commodity if we only knew where it was at. I preached from the book of Isaiah, chapter 6. In the year King Uzziah died, Isaiah was speaking. I saw the Lord high and lifted up. His glory, his train filled the temple. I was 19. I wasn't very good, but I had passion. You feel what I'm saying? I said, uh, this is no lie. This is exactly how it went. If we could find the tape, I'm telling you. Where was Isaiah when he saw the Lord high and lifted up? He wasn't in no bowling alley. He was in the temple. Man, I was, I was expecting amens coming out of the crowd. I don't think I got any. But I had a lot of passion. I said, he wasn't in no beer joint. He was in the temple, and that's where you ought to be. It was about a 15-minute sermon, but I had a lot of passion. I remember going to my first pastorate. It was a full-time pastorate. It's embarrassing to tell you how much that I made per week, but we survived because we had passion. I stood and I preached at the age of uh, 21 when I took this full-time position. My wife and I had just gotten married and we didn't have a lot, but we had passion. And I would get up in the pulpit. I used to hit the pulpit. I, I quit doing that because even today, my, the, my knuckles are sore from where I hit the pulpit, maybe as recent as... 11 years ago. 
It wasn't, I wasn't very good, but I had a lot of passion. I didn't have a lot of knowledge, but I had a lot of passion. I remember when we started North Star Church just over 11 years ago, we had nothing. And when I say nothing, uh, we, we didn't have money. Somebody asked me as we were preparing to launch, when are you going to start taking up the offering? I said, oh, next week. <laughs> we need it. We need money. We, we, we opened uh, on April the 16th, 2016, but leading up to that time, uh, we just, uh, a small group of us met, as many as 30 to 40 on occasions. We didn't have anything. Everything that we had up until that point was borrowed. But we had a lot of passion. We took a trip from South Lee County uh, all the way to Highway 45 in Saltillo, and we looked at an old building where they used to build trailers. It still smelled like welding and oil. It was dirty. There were like three lights that were, that were burning. We opened the garage, the, 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 the garage door, and we had to drive a, a truck up in there or more with headlights on just to be able to see and gather and pray. About 30 of us circled up. We didn't have very much. Say it with me. But we had passion. We moved into that building on Easter Sunday, April the 16th, 2006. Everything practically that we had was borrowed or that had been given to us. We didn't have a lot of volunteers, but we had a lot of passion. I remember when we moved to our second location, it was a cleaner building, a much bigger building, and we had more people. We still didn't have a lot, but we had, I said, but we had passion. I remember a few years later that we started our second campus in Tupelo, and we started working on that building, and we had more volunteers. We still didn't have a lot, but we sure did have passion. Passion is a very powerful and compelling emotion, the dictionary tells us such as love. Passion is very important. And in our text for today, in Revelation chapter 2, I invite you to turn in your Bibles with me or on your smart device, Bibles, and follow along as I read, beginning in verse 2 and reading through verse 5. And after we're finished reading, I'm going to pray. And then I'm going to make some observations about this passage. And I hope, hopefully, this will be an encouragement to you. Revelation, the last book of the Bible, Revelation chapter 2, beginning with verse 2. If you don't have a Bible, uh, just look at the screen. These are the words of Jesus. This is written by John. John was one of the followers of Jesus. He was exiled on the island of Patmos. And John there received a vision. 
There he received a revelation. That's why it's called the book of Revelation. And as John, as the Lord Jesus spoke, he recorded these words and he said, I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people. Now I want us to just, just stop and set the rest of this up. There are seven messages to seven churches, literal churches in Asia. This is a letter that Jesus, these are words that Jesus spoke to the church at Ephesus. We studied the book of Ephesians not long ago. Jesus is telling them, I know your deeds. I know you can't tolerate those that are wicked. That you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. You have perceived and you have persevered, rather, and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. Yet, I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love that you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things that you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this day and thank you for meeting us here at both of our locations. God, you are present and we worship you. And God, today, uh, take the words that I'm about to speak, guide them, guide me, and uh, speak to us and make these truths come real to our hearts. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray and all the people said, amen. How many know that when you have passion, you can push through anything? If you're passionate about it, you can push through anything. Now, the challenge in this passage today is, is to have passion for God. The challenge in our text today is to have, have a love, a vibrant, a flaming love for the Lord Jesus Christ, not just a mundane going through the motions kind of an existence, but to have a passion, a passion for God. <clears throat> the question is, how is your passion? How is your passion for God? Is it what it should be? Is it like it used to be? What is your passion for, for God? When Marla and I got married, uh, we were both 21, um, I was green. Uh, I, 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 didn't, I didn't know what I was doing. Uh, as far as being a pastor, I had been a youth pastor before that, but at age 21, now I'm a senior pastor. It was a small church, but still, I was the one. And Marla and I got married, and um, we rented a house. It was an old house. The plumbing was not good, but we sure had passion. Marla, amen that. And uh, we did. We had passion. Uh, that house, 
We didn't have anything new, just the wedding gifts that we had gotten, no new furniture. It was old, old furniture, in fact. And uh, we lived in this place that not many years after that was condemned and demolished, but we had passion. We moved to our first pastorate, and we lived in a 1970 model, double-wide. The front half was on pretty much level ground, but the back half was on stilts. The furnace did not work. We tried it a few times, but every time it lit, fire blew out of the wall. We didn't know if we were going to live or die, but we sure had passion. Instead of using the gas furnace, we had a wood-burning heater in a double-wide 1970 model. The smokes, the flue or the stack that went up through the ceiling, through the roof, you could actually see the stars. And if you were burning the smokestack, you could see smoke and sparks. We didn't know if we were going to live or die, but we sure had passion. You see, passion is, is so important. And one, the first thing that I want to tell you today is that Passion matters. Passion matters. Uh, when you have passion, you can push through. Uh, when you have passion, you can, you can become. When you have passion, you can make it. But the problem with this church at Ephesus, they had lost their passion. They, their hearts had grown cold toward the Lord. And uh, uh, I believe that everyone is passionate about something. It's not that these people weren't passionate about something. They just were not passionate about the Lord. Am I speaking to somebody today that maybe there was a time in your life that you were passionate about the things of God, but somehow that fire, that flame has, has waned and your heart has grown cold. Um, Paul was, uh, it had been 43 years. At this time in the book of Revelation, 43 years since Paul had been in Ephesus. 43 years. Now we studied the book of, of Ephesians. It was, a, it was a large seaport city and it was the, the location of the, the, the uh, temple of Artemis the daughter of Zeus uh, resided in the city of Ephesus. There were so many cultures in the city of Ephesus. There was so much stuff that was going on. And this community of Jesus followers began to meet. And when Paul was first there, uh, he, he, he got there and um, he got there and he met 12 disciples of John the Baptist. And, and, and uh, Paul said, uh, who, who are you guys? We're, we're disciples of John the Baptist. John the Baptist was beheaded, by the way, already. But these followers of John the Baptist, John the Baptist was preaching repentance, and, and, and he would baptize them for repentance of their sins. And so Paul said, who are you following? They said, we're followers of John, the, we're disciples of John the Baptist. And Paul said, have you, 
have you received the Holy Spirit? And they said, we've never heard of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says in the book of Acts chapter 19 that Paul laid hands on them. They received the Holy Spirit, spoke in tongues, but more than just speaking in tongues, they went from synagogue to synagogue preaching and speaking for the Lord Jesus. Now, there were some people that didn't like that. And this is what I know. When you start to get passion, apathetic people will become frightened. When you start to get passionate about the Lord Jesus Christ, there are going to be people around you that, that, that it scares. When they see the change in you, and, and some of us, when, when Christ comes into our life, it's a major change, right? We, we quit doing things that we used to do. We start talking different. And when Christ comes into any person's life, they are a new creation. And, and I know this, when, when you get passion, not everybody's going to understand it. The apathetic people will become frightened. And so they kicked Paul. This is 43 years prior to the book of Revelation. They kicked Paul out of the synagogue. He was preaching and teaching in the synagogue. How many know that when you have passion, you might have to find a different place? And so they did. And the Bible says in the book of Acts chapter 19 that they went, they moved out of the, the temple and for two or, or more years, they began going to the lecture hall of Tyrannus and still preaching the word because they had passion. Passion is not a personality type. You see people that raise their hands in worship, that it's, it's not a personality thing. You see people that are faithful and consistent to church, it's not a personality thing. You see, it's, this is what I know, it's not how high you jump, it's how straight you walk when you hit the ground. Am I preaching to anybody today? Are y'all glad to be at church? You want this to be over? It's not over yet. It ain't over till it's over. So the, Paul and, and the other followers of Jesus Christ were, were spreading the gospel. And I believe that God said, here's a man, or here's a city of 300,000 potential followers of Christ. And God said, I've got to put somebody there that's got passion. And the Apostle Paul had not a lot of things, but he had passion. And he began to... To, to baptize believers and people started from all over were coming to this church the church at Ephesus and I, I told you a few weeks ago that they, they met in a theater that seated over 20,000 people the church grew the church had passion fervor but something happened and the second observation I want to, to give to you is not only does passion matter, but Jesus, in these words, in Revelation chapter 2, you know, he's telling them what they did right, and then he tells them what they have done wrong. John MacArthur said, it's one thing for a man to tell you that you're doing wrong, that he has something against you. And it's another thing for God to tell you that he's got something against you, right? 
And so Jesus, he builds them up. He says, I, I know your work. You, you've done well. There have been some great things that have happened in this church. You've persevered. You've not let all the teachings of the goddess Diana and Artemis, you've not let all of these things infiltrate the church. You've worked hard. But I got something against you because you've forsaken, you've left your passion. May I tell you today that it is so important to maintain that passion. It's not a, uh, whether or not you feel it or not, you, you, you're not going to always feel it, but uh, passion is the, is the flame. And it's so important to maintain and, and, and nurture and fan the flame in your life, your passion toward God. That's one reason that we are very passionate at North Star about every person coming to worship. I'm talking about actually coming to worship, not just coming to serve. It, anybody can, can come and serve. But passion, excuse me, perseverance and hard work without passion is a very dangerous thing. So we ask all of our volunteers, if you're serving in one area, be sure to attend worship. I think that one of the things that happens when, when, when we get caught up in the, in the building programs and we get caught up in the areas of service and we get caught up in all of the things that, that we're involved in in the church and not to even mention the ball games and the other events and the graduations and, and all of the other things like work and parties and recreation, I think if we're not careful, we'll become like the church at Ephesus that has started very strong. They didn't have a lot of knowledge, but they had a lot of passion. They didn't have a lot of theological information, but they loved Jesus, and they had a lot of passion. Sometimes we fail to be fed. They're coming to worship like this space today is not the only way to be fed. The Bible says in the book of Matthew chapter 4 that Jesus had been in the wilderness being tempted by the devil for 40 days. And after 40 days of prayer and fasting, uh, he endured these temptations. But the Bible says in Matthew chapter 4, verse 11, that when the devil left him, that angels came and attended to him. Even Jesus, the Son of God, 100% God, 100% man, Jesus God, wrapped in human flesh, knew that at the end of this season of temptation that he needed caring for. One time, Paul 
was writing to uh, Timothy, a young pastor. And he told him this in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 3. He says, as I urged you, that's a strong word, as I urged you when I went to Macedonia, stay there in Ephesus so that you may command certain people not to teach false doctrines any longer. Now, if, if you're doing something and you're happy about it, nobody has to urge you to keep doing it. I have never seen anybody ever, this never once in all of these years of ministry, that I had, that I talked somebody uh, else into keeping a position, like serving in the church. Oh man, don't, don't quit now. Don't give up now. We need you. And that's completely the truth. We, we did need them. We do need you. But I've never not one time talked somebody into staying that it worked out. Why would Paul urge Timothy? I believe it's because Timothy had come to a point in his life spiritually that he was burnt out. I would say, Pastor, that's, you're talking to me. I feel like I'm burnt out. Burnout happens when... And when all the cares of this life and the busy schedules that I mentioned moments ago, and when we take our eyes off of the vision and put our eyes on the mission, I've got to get there, I've got to be on time, I've got to do this class, I'm going to go shopping after this, I'm, I'm not going to go to worship, or uh, I'm going to work the parking lot today, but, but I've got so much to do and this is my job. We should never serve out of obligation. We should serve out of passion. Undoubtedly, there was something in Timothy's life that, that he was wanting to quit. Paul urged him. He said, Timothy, don't quit. Stay there. Stay through the hard times. Even though you're not feeling it, stay. Jesus said, I know your, your work, your perseverance. This is what I know. You have not even found your passion until you pass your feelings. I don't always feel it. I don't tell my wife this at 4 o'clock on Sunday morning, but there's some Sundays that I'm just not feeling, and I'm thinking, God, you're going to have to give me strength. God, you're going to have to get me up. I'm the pastor. I'm supposed to talk today. And we have to crash through those quitting points. We have to crash through those feelings. You've not even found your passion until you pass by your feelings. My passion is to serve Christ. My passion is to love God. And that double wide, we were happy because we had passion. Love for each other, but love for God to do the Lord's work. Why else would I have lived in that place? Which, by the way, they also later condemned. Probably as soon as I moved out. We didn't have a lot but we had passion. This is evidence in Revelation chapter 2 that you can work hard in the Lord's work. You can travel on mission trips. You can go to New Orleans. You can go and work on serve day. You can have positions in the church and persevere and hang in, but not have passion. 
You see, this church, we've convoluted that idea. We, we have said that if you're not feeling it, you don't have to do it. If you're not feeling it, you shouldn't do it. I disagree with that. So what do we do about it? You see, this church, they worked for the Lord, but they left the Lord of the work. They loved him. They loved Jesus. They, they, they worked, but their love and their passion had, had dampened. Something had happened. Maybe they got caught up in just doing the, the mission because they were reaching people for Christ left and right. Ephesus was the fourth largest city in the world at that time. And this community of Jesus followers, they were doing so much, doing so much work, but they had lost, lost left their passion. They, the Bible doesn't say that they, Jesus doesn't tell them that you've lost your love. My translation, NIV, says you've forsaken your love. They did the work of the Lord, but they had left the Lord. They had left him. So what causes that? Well, I alluded to worship. This is just one thing. This is so important to come collectively. Sometimes we call it corporately. That's the body. It's so important to gather together. But it's not just that. It's your personal walk. It's your personal quiet time. Some have left their passion because of circumstances. Maybe it's because you're not in community. Maybe it's because you're not in community consistently on Sunday. Maybe it's because you're not in community uh, where you do life together in small groups. Maybe you, you stop really, occasionally you read the Bible, but you, you stop really reading in the Bible and getting into the Word. So what do we do about it? That's why I want to tell you this last one, and that is getting back your passion. How do you get it back? How do we get back our passion? Well, look at some of the things that we have neglected and then take note of those and see where you measure up in those. Getting back your passion is so important that we don't go through life just looking like a Christian but not acting like a Christian and feeling like a believer. We need to love and Look and live like the Lord Jesus. How do we get back our passion? Well, I like what Jesus did because not only did he tell them what was wrong, he told them how to fix it. Thank you for telling me what's wrong. Now tell me something that can help me. And so he does. He, does. he says, consider or or. You could use the word remember. Remember from where you have fallen. I imagine as these Ephesian believers read this letter, they stopped and they, they probably went all over in very private places 
wherever they were meeting, just to get on their face before God and, and to consider, oh God, I used to have such passion for you. I used to have such passion for the lost. I, I used to have such passion to be in community. I used to have such passion <coughs> to come into the, to the building and, and sing praises to you. I, uh, I imagine that they started considering and doing exactly what Jesus said. The second thing that he said to do is repent. The word repent or repentance is a word that's not used in church much anymore. It is at this church. It's more than feeling sorry for your sins. He did not ask them to regret where you are, but to remember where you were. Did you get that? He doesn't say, hey, you you need to regret. He said, consider, don't just regret where you you are now. Oh, man, look at where I'm at now. Oh, man, I'm so regretful. He said, remember from where you were fallen and repent. The word repent means to change direction. It's, it's, It's changing. It's not reforming. It's changing from going this way the way that you were, the sin that you had, and going this way toward Jesus. It's the change of direction. So the first one is consider. The second one is to repent. And the third one is to do. Do. He said, do what you did. And man, don't you know that that was like resonating with them? They're thinking, whoa, wow, this is God speaking. This is a God thing. I remember where I had fallen, where I was before I fell. And I'm repenting of that. And and now I'm going to do it. Do it. I'm going to start doing it. You may not feel like getting up early in the mo- earlier in the morning to read your Bible or staying up later at night to read your Bible, but you may not be feeling it, but crash through that and do it. Practice it. Practice it. Practice it. You may not feel like being in worship, but you know you need it and do it. Jesus said, consider where you have fallen. Repent and do the first things. Do what you were doing back then. And it will make a difference. I'm talking to somebody today that's on the verge of throwing up your hands. Maybe in a relationship or in church or at work because you're, you've, you've worked hard and you've hung in there. Jesus said, you've persevered, but you have left. He didn't say you've lost it. He said, you've left it. So now, get it back. Get it back. Father, I just pray that this message would be an encouragement, but God, that it would be a challenge to us not to neglect the things that will help us keep our passion 
Today, if you realize for the first time that you've never given your heart to Jesus Christ, I want to give you an opportunity right now to first admit that, that you're a sinner, believe that Jesus died for you and rose from the grave, and just call on him. I'm going to pray as an example, but it's, it's not just repeating words. It is from your own heart and life, putting your trust in Jesus Christ. And you can say something like this, dear God, I admit to you that I'm a sinner and that my sin se separates me from you. I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins and he rose on the third day victoriously. I repent, I turn from my sins and I turn to Jesus. Come into my heart and life, forgive me. I put my trust in you. I follow you, Lord Jesus. Maybe as a part of the community of followers of Christ listening today, you say, oh God, bring back the passion, the flame in my life. I'm going to ask that everyone please stand at both of our campuses. I just want to pray this prayer for you. And I pray, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, that, God, that these words would not fall on deaf ears, including myself, but that, God, today, in these closing moments of worship, uh, just by your Holy Spirit, speak to us. Speak to, speak to our hearts, Lord. Give us direction. Renew us. Renew people, God, that are listening today. Just renew people as they surrender afresh to you. God, thank you for not giving up on us. Thank you for meeting us here. And God, thank you for the word that you've given us in this awakening. God, take these moments of worship and use them, God, for your glory. In Jesus' name.